Today's Jeep Talk Show is sponsored in part by Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts. For over 20 years now, Tom Woods has been providing the off-road industry with some of the strongest, most durable driveline upgrades there are. If you're in the need of the world's best under your own Jeep, well, stay tuned later in the show. We're going to hook you up. Find out how you can get 10% off your entire order between now and the end of July. Until then, head over to www.4xshaft.com to start upgrading your Jeep now. Oh, and check out that purchase when it arrives. You're going to have a little something from Jeep Talk Show in there as well. So into July, that means that uh, people need to be buy, uh, ordering their stuff from Tom Woods pretty damn quick. Like, yeah, as you are listening to this, just break out the checkbook right now. <laughs> Stay tuned to the end of the show to find out how you can hear exclusive bonus content. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With G-Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and, and brace yourself. yourself. Uh, Tony, uh, my spidey senses are tingling a little bit. It appears as if we might be a little light in the host department this week. Are you talking about Tammy, Josh? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's something to, uh, just in the back of my head. I don't, I don't know. It's, well, Tammy's here, I, 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 I think. Tammy? Um, hello. hello. <laughs> Hi, guys. This is Tammy. <clears throat> not, no, this is Cody. This is Renegade. No, Tony, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying I'm Renegade Cody. I'm super manly Tacoma guy Cody filling in for Tammy. Because she got lost on the way to the studio. Oh, oh. gee. I told her that box of wine was going to do her in. <laughs> Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to get extra days off? Well, that's probably the one thing you won't find on Amazon.com. But if you're planning on doing some online shopping for anything, really, consider helping us out while you're at it. Just head over to our website and click the Amazon button there or type in jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Anything you purchase using that link will have a small percentage donated to the Jeep Talk Show. It's a great way to get deals on things you need and want, and, well, you can support your favorite podcast while you're at it. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, and thanks in advance. Well, Sergio Marciona, charismatic and demanding leader who engineered two long-shot corporate turn turnarounds to save both Fiat and Chrysler, from near certain failure, died Wednesday after complications from shoulder surgery in Zurich. He was 66 years old. Marchione built the dysfunctional companies into the world's seventh largest automaker almost by personal force of will, living on, corporate, living on a corporate jet crossing the Atlantic to push employees to accomplish what most people thought was an impossible amid a devastating global recession. Marchione, who was Italian and Canadian, had re revived Fiat by 2009, when he was picked by the U.S. government to save the U.S.-based Chrysler from its trip through bankruptcy protection after being owned by a private equity company. Marchione met most of his goals, even though at times he was doubted by nearly everyone in the automotive business, but he didn't live long enough to complete his last two. Personally hand over the reins of Fiat Chrysler automobiles to a hand-picked protege, and two, lay out plans for transforming supercar maker Ferrari. Now, while he started small with limited industrial alliances, his ambition soon grew. The bankruptcy of Chrysler gave him the opportunity to create a global car company with brands including Jeep, Ram, Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, and Maserati that he envisioned would grow to 6 million cars a year. A global economic crisis, crisis that bottomed out car sales in key U.S. and European markets prevented him from reaching that goal, however, 
But his industrial vision never faltered as he spun off CNH and Ferrari to standalone entities. Marcion recently had shoulder surgery, and the company said last week, last weekend rather, that complications meant that he would not be able to return to work. Sergio was known for his folksy, colorful turns of phrase and for his propensity to wear dark cashmere sweaters no matter what the occasion. Yes, he was a staunch business dealer who was also known for being a boardroom bull. As Marcion's health failed following surgery, however, a clearly emotional FCA chairman John Elkin delivered what amounted to an impromptu eulogy and message of gratitude to a man he called his mentor. He taught us to think differently and to have the courage to change, often in unconventional ways, always acting with a sense of responsibility for the companies and their people. He taught us that the only question that's worth asking oneself at the end of every day is whether we have made, whether we have been able to change something for the better, whether we have been able to make a difference. Inspiring words indeed, and we all could do better to adopt a page from his playbook. There's no doubt that Sergio's will, influence, dreams, and visions touched many. The brand we all know and love was one of his darlings. Many say that Ferrari was his true love, but Jeep was definitely a close second. The automotive world was shaken to its core from the announcement last week. An iconic man in the industry passing before his time. What happens from here is really anyone's guess. FCA announced Saturday that its board of directors had chosen Jeep executive Mike Manley to replace Sergio. A smart move, in my opinion, ever since we first heard about Sergio's upcoming retirement, which now in hindsight might have shed light on his undisclosed health issues, the Jeep talk show had been calling for Mike Manley as what we thought would be the smartest choice for replacement CEO. And it looks like the FCA executives agreed. But it's not going to be an easy switch for either Mike or FCA, really. The automaker has been in the midst of spending a lot of cash recently to keep up with the current technology trends, not to mention battling tariffs that are coming out of the White House, which now says it might widen to include automobiles and car parts. Mike Manley has worked closely with dealers throughout much of his career and oversaw the rollout of new models such as the redesigned Jeep Wrangler and Ram 1500 pickup truck. During his time as head of the Jeep brand, he grew global sales to nearly $2 million this year, double the number sold as recently as 2014 and up from just 338000 in 2009, in part by rolling out new and refreshed higher-end models in the U.S. and building plants for entry-level Jeeps overseas. The new CEO has less experience with finance and manufacturing, core areas that Mr. Marchion obsessed over during his tenure, but he does have the benefit of Mr. Marchion's recently announced strategic plan. Mr. Manley hasn't made any public statements since being named CEO, but will host an earnings call Wednesday for financial analysts. That meeting is likely going to be pretty dull and be all about numbers, but if anything does come of it, well, listeners of the Jeep Talk Show will be the first to know. Now, Josh, um, I think this would be appropriate. Uh, I, I know we had talked about getting uh, Mike Manley here on the show to do a guest interview or, or something, uh, and, and now that he's made CEO, I think it, it would be worth reaching out to him and putting that invite in. You think? You think that might be a good idea, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you think that email will even get read? <laughs> I think he might be a little busy uh, for the uh, foreseeable future. Uh, but no, it's it, going on, but we have this show we'd like you to be on. It really yeah, exactly. It's a podcast. <laughs> Listen to technically scores of people. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and we'll do it for free in a, in a Jeep. So, um, the uh, I'd probably get a renegade if, uh, you know, if he's listened to the show. Uh, so I, man, I can't tell you, I mean, I, I know that, uh, Sergio was on his way out, but I hate hearing about this, uh, all these years of hard work. And I know CEOs do a different kind of work. It's not the, the backbreaking stuff, but there's a lot of pressure and in, in, in things involved. 
Uh, it's just a shame that he, he got this far and wasn't able to uh, basically sit back on his retirement for a few years and just, you know, a coast and uh, look back and have the accolades of all the wonderful things that he had done. And, well, and, and there's surgery doesn't sound like it's that critical. I mean, people have so- shoulder surgery all the time. Do we know if there was something bigger than that? I had read it was cancer. He had cancer in his uh, his shoulder uh, that I shared with Josh, and uh, but I I think that something uh, got loose. It may not have had anything to do with the cancer. It was a, a there was it was important that they do the surgery because of the cancer uh, that it was causing him pain, a lot of pain in his uh, his arm. I think it was his right arm, and uh, but I think this was something. He, he actually suffered a stroke. Uh, was it embolism? I can't remember. But basically, that's been something broke loose and then gets. Uh, stopped someplace along the uh, the yeah. path of the bloodway and this one happened to be in his brain so he actually lost some brain function because of this uh this event uh, and i and i believe it, it it's what uh, led to his death horrible tragic nonetheless i mean certainly a loss to the automotive world and and i know that uh the fca and jeep especially is going to be reeling from this for for months to come as as the dust settles because I mean, honestly, this handover wasn't supposed to happen for another several months. And, you know, even then, uh, the transition would probably would have taken several months in addition to that Mm -hmm. as things get worked out and all the wrinkles kind of get ironed out and whatnot. But Mike Manley definitely has a plan of action there. He was my number one choice. He was the show's choice here because he was the one individual that was most likely going to pick up where uh, Sergio Marchion left off. Because there were some other people in in the mix that were being considered that were talking about some very serious, drastic changes for the automaker, and all of which did not look good for Jeep. Um, and, and so a lot of people, especially the diehard Jeep fans, were you know really, really paying attention to this news story in particular because it, there was a little bit of period in time where everything was up in the air. Uh, Sergio had passed. There was no, you know, the the, the baton had not been handed off yet. Uh, and so there was a lot of speculation as to, okay, it's not official. Who's going to fill the role? Um, and, and thankfully, they, they chose the right guy, at least in, in our opinion. Well, I think uh, I think Mike Manley, at least, I, I mean, I feel this I, based on some of the things that he's done. He seems to be a Jeep supporter. Uh, I mean, certainly with the JL coming out uh, and and the the styling and basically keeping it Jeepy, uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to see him uh, get into this position because it would be good for us Jeepers. Well, yeah, there, it's no someone with, it, it, with that history there is going to be more inclined to understand what people in the Jeep world are are looking for and what they want to do, and and that, you know that may put the Jeep brand in a position where they're not going to get veered off into a, into a direction that that none of us wanted to see it go. Absolutely. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, Mike Manley has been the head of the Jeep brand for, I think, close to the last five or six years at the very least. Uh, and he's obviously done wonders with the with the branding. Uh, and and it's no secret that Jeep is pretty much the cornerstone to FCA. Yeah. If Jeep and or even Ram were to leave the FCA umbrella, uh, that's pretty much it would be the, the nail in the coffin, as it were. Um, and, and so, you know, there were a lot of talks and speculations and rumors about what's going to happen with Jeep and Ram, um, you know, moving forward and whatnot. But I think that Mike Manley having the reins now is going to be the one who's going to more or less kind of keep things the same, follow the plans that, that Sergio Marchion had set in place um, with, with his, you know, big plan that he had laid out 
And, and Mike's going to follow in those footsteps, I believe. I don't think that we have anything to worry about. If anything, I think the future looks even brighter now. Well, hey, if you guys have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Any number of ways you can reach out to us, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. And coming up here later in the show, from the other side of the globe, in the great down under, we'll be talking with Ben Davidson, editor of Jeep Action Magazine. This is Steve, 4.3 LXJ, with another Jeep tip, and we're going to continue with our Dana uh, 30 front end series and we left off talking about different kinds of lockers and tire sizes and so forth there's one other thing to consider when you are talking about uh, lockers and that is axle shaft size and uh, basically the Dana 30 came in a axle shaft that has 27 splines with one exception I finally narrowed it down the Dana 30 independent front suspension in the International Harvesters had a 30-spline side gear on an open carrier. But uh, that's the only exception. So other than that, they all had 27 splines. And uh, that's okay if you're not going to uh, get too big on the tire size and be running selectable lockers and so forth. So what you can do then is you can run a 30-spline axle shaft, which is the same as you would get with a Dana 44 front end, and uh, they're considerably stronger. The U-joints go from the uh, 260 to the uh, 750X, which is quite a bit stronger, and uh, so you can run a basically a half-ton front axle shaft in a quarter-ton rig. So that's how that kind of pans out in layman's terms. So when you selected your tire size, when you selected your gear ratio and which locker you're going to use, you need to consider how many splines are on the axle shaft. And so you can upgrade your axle shafts to a 30 spline if you wish and your U-joint size on either size axle, either the 27 or the 30 spline to the 760X and uh, have the stronger U-joints on the axle shafts to go with it. Till now, for now rather, we'll leave that and we'll see you on the trail. Hey, and coming up in Tech Talk, we'll be talking about boosting your Jeep. I don't think that means stealing it, but we'll find out, so stay tuned. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And we sure would like for you guys to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network website. If you haven't been there recently, well, the next time you're online, just pop over to 4x4 radionetwork.com all one word there you'll see the jeep talk show there of course but we've got something for well just about everybody over there we've got you know the four by four podcast the center steer podcast the trail chasers podcast even the on the trail podcast there's something there for everybody be sure to check us out and well tell a friend cody you know something about the trail chasers podcast don't you a little bit a little bit it's uh you know only the best show ever but <laughs> you know it's and it's only gotten better because I've brought somebody else on this show that's funnier than I am, for sure. So I was just going to say, uh, if you guys have been missing Trail Chasers, it's back. Uh, they've got several episodes uh, out, and uh, Cody now has a co-host. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been, uh, what you had going on, what episodes are available. So we uh, we started with an introduction to Matt. Matt's my brother-in-law, and uh, he's getting heavier into the off-road world. He's been going on all of our adventures with his uh, wife's Jeep Renegade, which just has just so many layers of comedy attached to it, uh, especially <laughs> yeah. for, 
for you guys. The wives, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the wife. He has to ask my sister if he can go wheeling. And um, we've been talking about that. And then he's in the process of looking for a, a mid-sized truck to purchase as an off-road vehicle. And, you know, what the options are there. We're, we're basically using his journey as a show content and talking about all the different options for someone that wanted to get into the off-road world. And then we did uh, recently did an episode about upgrading the truck that Matt doesn't have yet. So it's, it's, it's been interesting. We're going to go back to doing some interviews soon. Um, but it's been, uh, you know, good to get back in front of the mic and, and be able to do some shows. Now, I don't think that you were ever uh, really uh, Jeep specific in uh, your, your podcast, but uh, you're getting away from the Jeep world now and, and kind of moving towards the, uh, the Toyota uh, side of things. Is that going to be reflected in your podcast? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, I, I purposely set it up to be not brand specific. It's more about off-roading and wheeling and, you know, uh, all inclusive. Um, but because I'm in a Tacoma now and he is looking at the Nissan frontier as his front runner for what he's going to purchase, it gives us a whole opportunity to have conversations about stuff. And a lot of that is because I'm learning about the Toyotas that I've, you know, this is my first real run with ones. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in the Jeep and and I feel like this is, you know, I'm learning all over again and, and I don't don't know anything about Nissan. And if he gets a frontier, that's going to be fun to just try to figure that out. Well, this so, is this is wonderful because you're going to have a lot of audience members that are in the same boat. Yeah, that's kind of what we were thinking, too, is that there's a there is a market out there, obviously, for the Tacomas. But I, I've seen a lot of uh, frontier enthusiasm that I didn't know existed. And um, I think having the two brands, well, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of Tacoma versus frontier banter and uh, videos to watch who gets pulled out of what. But um, yeah, I'm excited about the opportunity for him to get a vehicle and have him, you know, build it and use it as show content and talk about it. Well, that's great guys. And so you should be really happy about this. Trail Chasers is back and uh, they've done a little bit of changing just because the the life has changed and what vehicles uh, Cody is driving has changed a bit. So catch them out, uh, catch them, uh, catch up with them and find out what all what's going on uh, with uh, Trail Chasers. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. And coming up later on the show, Nikki G does a segment on Sir Craps a lot, takes a bike ride. <laughs> That's got to be messy, right? I mean, it can't be good. Uh, all I can say is, oh, no. <laughs> you got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Over the last few years of going to off-road shows and, and getting out with friends in their rigs to go wheeling, since mine's been in the garage, being getting rebuilt for the last few years, well, I've noticed something popping up more and more under the hoods of Jeeps I come across. Oh, sure, there's things like LED underhood lights and silicone hose sets and matching colors, and there's nothing like seeing a bunch of AN fittings under the hood of any vehicle, but all that stuff is really just old news. Been on the scene for a while now, and doesn't carry the wow factor like seeing a boosted inline six. What do I mean by boosted? Well, over the last decade or so, we've been seeing some crossover of technology coming from the tuner market. Where do you think LED lighting started? Now, granted, turning a Wrangler into a lowered ricer is blasphemy in some circles, but it's really the performance aspects of that side of motorsports that I'm talking about. Now, I know, I know, engine performance is one of those things that typically gets cast to the wayside on our Jeeps for things more important to us, like ground clearance and articulation, traction, stuff like that. Now, things unto themselves that are blasphemous in some tuner circles, but that's really near, neither here nor there. <laughs> the term boosted refers to engines of any kind, really, that have their intakes force-inducted by either a turbocharger or a supercharger. And yes, you can get either for your Jeep. Whether it's a 2.4-liter four-banger from yesteryear, 
the tried-and-true 4-liter inline-six, or one of the newer-generation Pentastar engines, they all can be modified to accept either form of forced air induction. Both a supercharger and a tur turbocharger basically do the same thing. They compress the air from the atmospheric pressure of 14.7 psi at sea level, allowing the engine to ingest more air than it could ordinarily when naturally aspirated by a carburetor or throttle body, and thereby allowing a proportionate amount of additional fuel to be introduced into the engine as well. It basically makes the engine think it's really bigger than it really is. However, the way in which each accomplishes this compression of air differs greatly and comes with their own pros and cons. A supercharger, for instance, is driven off of the crankshaft of the engine. Basically, a different pulley is installed on the front of the engine, and that in turn, no pun intended, via a belt drives the pulley on the supercharger, which is basically like an air compressor on the top of your engine. No, really, they do about the same thing in, in about the same way. But since it's mechanically driven, it contrib contributes a little bit to the overall parasitic power losses the engine is going to incur. Meaning, it takes away some of the base horsepower the engine is already creating to turn the additional hardware. That additional rotating mass and drag on the engine is called parasitic drain. The power gains, however, more than make up for this loss. A turbo, on the other hand, uses the flow of exhaust gases to spin the compressor. Part of the exhaust is routed through a turbine. The, the exhaust pressure spools up this turbine to great speeds, and that turbine, in turn, no pun intended again, compresses the air before it is forced down the intake. Now, although it's not exactly free power, a turbo doesn't occur the same parasitic losses as a supercharger does. However, the power a turbo creates is not instantaneous. The more exhaust that flows through the turbo, the more power it can create. But it takes the engine a little bit of time to come up to an RPM level while driving that's fast enough to actually create enough boost to be beneficial. This is called turbo lag. Now, turbo lag is the term to describe the time difference that happens between mashing the throttle and feeling the rush of added torque from when that turbo finally creating some added PSI is going down the intake. Now, the opposite is also true. A turbocharger that makes the most peak power will make virtually no boost at idle and will only see boost when it's well into the engine's power band. Both methods, whether it's supercharging or turbocharging, require some form of an intercooler to realize their full potential. The job of an intercooler is to combat the inescapable byproduct of compressing air, which is heat. An intercooler is basically just a large, more open version of a radiator, except it cools air, not water. Cooler air is more dense, meaning that there are more oxygen molecules in a given volume of air. That said, the, at the modest boost levels of 4 to 7 PSI that most Jeep forced induction systems run at, well, these differences between turbocharging and supercharging are minimized to some degree. Furthermore, the aftermarket is very adept at matching turbo sizes to their intended aftermarket application to do away with things like excess turbo lag and decreased drivability. So, you're probably asking yourself, which is best, turbo or supercharger? Well, based on its sheer capacity for power building, I'm a little more inclined to go with the turbo if really all you're after are sheer horsepower numbers. I mean, we're talking about, you know, bragging rights here. And the Jeep World 505 Performance has some pretty complete kits whipped up that make some serious horsepower gains. One of their kits makes an astounding 693 horsepower with a 5-liter stroker inline 6. Now, on the other hand, supercharger companies like Avenger Superchargers and Adventure Innovations both have very complete, well-designed supercharger kits for Jeeps as well. In the end, it's going to be up to you to pick your own poison based on the kind of wheeling that you do. If you're into high RPM hill climbs, sand dune runs, and mud bogging, 
then a turbo is going to be the absolute right pick for you, since most of your Jeep's performance needs are higher up in the RPM range. However, if your Jeep sees more rocks, trails, and technical wheeling than that point-and-shoot type of stuff, well, then there's really no better choice than a supercharger. Not having to wrap out your Jeep's engine to five or 6,000 RPMs while you're trying to pick a technical line through those rocks means you can focus more on wheel placement and line selection than worrying about whether or not you're building boost. Now, the supercharger starts adding power right from the start and doesn't really stop throughout the RPM range. So if slow and low is your style, then a turbo will not be a good choice for you. It's time to go with a supercharger. Either way, mods at this level are pretty expensive, Jeepers, so don't think this is going to be something you're just going to run down and pick up at the local off-road store and install over the weekend. Kits can cost in excess of $2,500 and require some serious know-how to install. So, do your homework. Get out to some of the, these, these Jeep shows out there and talk with the own other Jeepers out there who have gone down this road. Talk with the manufacturers about your needs and where your Jeep is in its own build. In the end, you'll get just what you need to complement not only your Jeep, but your driving and your wheeling style too. Really interesting stuff. Uh, question for you, and I don't know if you have the answer to this or not. Well, by all means. Uh, I've, I seem to have read some stuff about electric uh, turbochargers where they do away with the uh, exhaust from the engine and just uh, basically uh, put a high-priced leaf blower uh, feeding your <laughs> your intake. Have you, have you heard anything about this? Is there a I, downside? I've heard of electric superchargers. I haven't heard of electric turbochargers. That doesn't mean to say that, you know, I... I they're not out there or whatnot, but, uh, yes, I, I'm not, this is new technology, uh, essentially the electric versions of something that has been mechanical for years and years and years. I mean, turbocharging and supercharging has been around for decades. Oh, yeah. So, the, I mean, the, that technology unto itself is, is tried and true. It's been around for a long time. Not, a, not a whole lot of innovations coming out except for electric conversions, now, I'm not talking about converting your engine to electric. I'm talking about taking away that parasitic drain. A lot of tech, uh, technology coming out of the race industry is going this way. Electric fuel pumps, electric oil pumps, electric water pumps, getting rid of any and all parasitic drain and draw, mechanical draw on the engine by converting all of these subsystems to electric. Now, that unto itself comes with a whole other Pandora's box, but you know, that's, that's a whole other show. Is that going to be the right decision for you? Well, I think your pocketbook is going to make that decision ultimately. And wasn't it Ford that had, uh, was it two turbos uh, so they could get away from that turbo lag? They, I don't know how you would... Uh... Volkswagen has been doing that as well. In fact, uh, many, many uh, manufacturers, I think Maserati even has come out with a uh, supercar version of a twin turbo. BMW has done it. Um, and, and really, this twin turbo design is also something that's been around in the race industry for a long, long time that we're now starting to see... Um, mainstream applications in, you know, consumer uh, automotive purchase, you know, uh, consumer automotive designs, rather, um, yeah. where we're seeing production vehicles so. getting twin turbos. You get a four-cylinder engine, it, it's going to get 40 miles to the gallon, produce almost 300 horsepower, and push that four-door sedan down the road just fine. And it's all because of those two turbos. Yeah, the, Tammy had a uh, Volkswagen CC, which was a four-door sedan that had the twin turbo oh, and yeah. that thing. And that's uh, and that's Tammy, not Jeep Mama. That's uh, Cody's wife that he's referring to. Um, yes. So, uh, well, that's real interesting. And and uh, I, I guess really the two most important things of what you've said here is one is going to cost you a damn a lot of money. And if you're going to be uh, doing uh, what we most of us do with the Jeeps, which is uh, drive up and over things, uh, the uh, supercharger is going to be the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I've 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 uh, I got a personal friend who actually just sold a Jeep uh, at the end of last year. Um, which he had put a uh, a Banks turbo um, set on, and 
he liked it a lot for the improvements in the miles per gallon and for the drivability on the road, but he absolutely hated it off-road. Yeah, so that's one, another think, thing you want to talk about. That's why I said get out and talk with some other Jeepers who have done this sort of stuff before. Talk about you know, their experiences. If you can live, you know, learn through uh, somebody else's mistakes or their learning experiences and whatnot, you can save yourself a lot of headache and problem. Yeah, I would think that having that much of a quick boost when you're off-roading could be you know, detrimental not only to the ability to wheel, but help you break stuff a lot faster. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got enough tr trouble uh, ma managing my throttle as it is. And I've got, you know, a four cylinder, six, I mean, a six cylinder engine and, and, um, you put, you give me, you give me that much boost. I'm going to see what it does. Now, this is a guy that had, had an LJ, um, on 37s, uh, had a lot of money into it. The traction, uh, was not, and, and articulation was not a concern for this guy. Uh, and, and so, it, you know, he never really got up into the RPM range through his wheeling. And I think that was where a lot of his, his complaints with that turbo system uh, for, for the Wrangler uh, came into play was it just he never really got into the RPM range to really maximize the use out of that system off-road. And it was almost a hindrance, uh, you know, off-road because he was constantly worried about, okay, where's the boost level? Where's my RPMs? And he was focusing on this sort of stuff versus, you know, line selection and tire placement, stuff like that. He found himself worrying more about the Jeep's performance than enjoying being off-road. So let mm -hmm. me ask you this. If uh, I was going to ask you about the why he didn't like it off-road, if, uh, if you're buying it for off-road use, I can understand being disappointed. But if, you, if your Jeep is also your daily driver, it sounds like a mm -hmm. wonderful thing for that aspect of it, as long as it doesn't make the off-road... Uh, worse than what it was. I mean, if you're getting the same performance you were getting before the turbo off-road, to me, it seems like the best of both worlds. You improve your gas mileage, you improve your ump getting down the road, and then when it's time to take it, uh, get it off-road, you got the same thing you had before. Would that be a correct way of looking at it? In a way, yes. I mean, like for, for this particular individual, it was, it was a very much a mental thing for him, okay. being, having to focus on a different aspect of off-roading than he was used to. Uh, and, and that, I think, ultimately was the decision that led to him selling this Jeep. And it was going to be a lot easier for him to sell a Jeep with a turbo than to pull the turbo off, go through all of that work and trouble, and try and part that system out, and then sell a Jeep versus selling it as, you know, as this whole, you know, with this modification done to it type of thing. So, and th that, this wasn't a one-off thing. This was a, a, a Banks system specifically designed for Jeep. This is an off-the-shelf unit that any one of you guys out there could buy. And he just only liked it for about half of what it did for him. Yeah. Well, so everybody's Josh, mileage is going to vary. Yeah, Josh, let me ask a question. Would so yeah. would it be possible to put in a either a bypass or a disable switch that would somehow, you know, while you're driving, like Tony's saying, when you're driving on the road, daily driver, you're making use of it. But when you get off road, hit the bypass or disable switch and then just go back to wheeling with a with a normal engine. You have that little bit of parasitic loss. But, you know, do you know if it's possible to do it that way? No, well, is it possible? Technically, yes. Is it practical? Nah, not really. Not at all. Now, what we're talking about here is the same kind of technology that you see in a lot of hot rodders who use a, a, um, uh, a small solenoid inside of an exhaust chamber to basically divert the exhaust flow from one set of exhaust 
to another. And typically that's just a straight dump out right yeah. outside the headers. <laughs> yeah. And so it's why you hear these, these hot rods, it's, you know, blown 454 under this little tea bucket here. And it just sounds louder than hell. That's typically because that's the kind of system they're running. Now, a Jeep isn't going to have the room for that kind of plumbing underneath the rig. Is it possible? I'm sure that it is. Could it be done? I'm sure if you have enough money, anything can be done. Is right. it practical? Eh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly something that you want to add to your daily driver or weekend warrior. It would certainly have that wow factor, but uh, yeah, a lot of work to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, the dump would basically be a huge ex exhaust leak, if, if I understand the way the turbo works. I mean, if you're routing the exhaust through the turbo to spool it up, to keep it from being spooled up, you got to no, no longer route it to the, to the turbo. And then there's the all of the mapping that goes along with all of this. I mean, you're you're running a piggyback ECU or an aftermarket ECU all together, oh, uh, or the true. map is getting reflashed or changed. So you know the computer is set up essentially for that modification, and it's it's yeah. it's kind of hard to adjust your 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 coding and your mapping on the fly unless you got something yeah. like Megasquirt and a laptop in your Jeep at all times. So that's well, you know. I don't like to brag, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting subject. Very interesting subject. Well, hey, if there's anything you guys would like to add or maybe you have a question yourself for Tech Talk, we'll just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Who knows? You might just have your question answered here on the show. Hey, this is looking at Southeast Georgia again. Uh, I was calling about the uh, podcast that Nate called back into and Josh made comment of uh, JB Weld Fuel. Uh, patch or fuel tank repair or any of that. So, Josh, just wanted to let you know because you didn't say it on there, but this is for temporary use only, not to be used as a permanent fix, regardless of whether or not it's fuel safe or not. A patch is never a permanent fix, ever. Always replace parts that are broken damaged or worn out and everybody out there in jeep world make sure you take care of your vehicles they're gonna treat you better if you treat them better all right y'all later that's really good advice <laughs> it is though no, no i want to thank Lugnut for i want to thank Lugnut for taking the time to call in and he's absolutely right that's something i, I didn't touch base on but it's something that that I, I guess I kind of consider just goes without saying. You know, if you're going to be doing a trail repair, you know, something that's going to essentially try and get you back home, back to civilization, back to where you can get a tow or something like that, that's not something that you want to just leave on the Jeep and <laughs> for your daily driver or yeah. you know in perpetuity. Uh, obviously, if you you know tear your your tire open on the side of the uh, uh, you know on the trail or something like that, and you got to patch it or something, you're not going to want to run that as your daily driver, you know, you're going to throw that tire back on the back as a spare, as an emergency use or something like that. Same thing goes with these kinds of repairs. If you have a big hole in your, in your gas tank, use some of the, uh, the JB weld tank repair, uh, stuff. Um, that is going to be a repair that is not meant to last forever. It's meant to last you until you can get it home, get that unit replaced. So uh, what that time frame is, you know, I <laughs> uh, can't really say, uh, you know, so, so basically what you're saying is, is that when your Dana 35 C clip, uh, falls off or the axle breaks and you use your high lift jack and some ratchet straps to hold the, the tire on to get you home, you don't want to leave it that way for a week. I mean, it, it would be a great <laughs> conversational starter. <laughs> 
Where is your the sense looks. of adventure? I say you put the, the JB Weld patch on there and all your friends start putting a pool together to see how long it lasts. <laughs> ah. Who's, who's going to have to go get you from the freeway when it drops out? That's I. You guys aren't looking at this. This is a drinking game here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Lugnut is, is very, very good that he points that out because, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we loved having uh, Tammy on here uh, when she can make it. Uh, the, but she points those questions out to us. It's like, well, how long do you, does that just, is that a permanent fix? And you go, oh, well, no, because you know, we all know this, but we do have listeners out there that are new and, and they don't know that, that it isn't a permanent fix. It's just, Wait, it's just made to get you down the road. I would say this, we all know this, but we also are all the same guys that do this temporary <laughs> patch, get home and go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll fix that this weekend. You know what? I can take it wheeling one more time. I'll fix it <laughs> next week. <laughs> and, and then we're out there with our friends in the middle of the desert with all our gas on the floor. And they're all going, I thought you said you were going to fix it last weekend. A smart man doesn't tell them about the repair and go, I don't know what the hell happened. That's a strange yeah, that new to me. I bought it like this. <laughs> Tom Woods has been doing only four wheel drive drive shafts and slip yoke eliminators for 20 years as an American owned and operated company. They provide solutions trusted by your average weekend wheeler all the way to the rock crushing rigs at King of the Hammers. If you have a Jeep, Tom Woods custom drive shafts has a solution for you using their in-house developed gold seal universal joints. You can count on the strength of your drive shaft at its weakest and most abused points. And if you're uh, concerned about a, uh, about warranties, you, it doesn't get any better than their trail hazard protection warranty. If a weld ever breaks, they take care of it. If a gold seal universal joint breaks, they take care of it. But also any damage to the drive shaft. Those other companies just put a new U-joint in your hand and send you on your way. Tom Woods loves Jeeps. In fact, he has three highly modified Jeeps, so he understands your passion, and so do his employees. Tom Woods custom drive shafts are always shipped completed, balanced, and greased, and ready to install. They pay attention to the finest details, so you're less likely to run into any issues. If you've ever experienced a drive shaft problem, you know just how important this is. When you research custom uh, drive shafts online, there's just one name that tops all the list, Tom Wood. Trust them, trust them with one of the most critical parts of your driveline. And from now until the end of July, I mean, that's like you're listening to this. It's hours, like, yeah. hours away. <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need to get in there. You need to do this. But anyway, to the end of July, you can get a 10% off on your order using the exclusive Jeep Talk Show promo code. Is it code or code? At checkout, just enter JTS18-1. That's JTS18-1. Dash one, and you'll get the exclusive discount. This promo code is not valid with any other offer, discount, or promotion. It is only good until the end of July. Visit Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts today. Just go to 4xshaft.com. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, good evening, boys and girls. We have a, a great interview tonight. It's uh, with Ben Davidson. He is the editor of Jeep Action Magazine. And if you don't know what that is, it may be because you're not in Australia. Although I bet you, uh, Ben, you guys have uh, some uh, some subscribers outside of Australia, don't you? We certainly do. And thanks for thanks for the um, invite to the uh, interview, guys. Oh, of course. 
So uh, I would, I would. Uh, now you guys have been doing the the magazine for a number of years, uh, about fifteen or so. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, Michael Bowen started the magazine off the back of a jamboree, actually. So yeah, we have jamborees out here in Australia. Um, yeah, and basically it was it started off just to stay in touch, and it's grown from there. So now I find it really fascinating that you guys uh, have enough Jeep interest uh, in Australia to have a, a magazine about it, especially one that's been around for so long. Uh, there's about a total of five Jeeps in Australia. Isn't, isn't that right? Uh, six. That's because everybody in Australia is smart enough to drive a Toyota. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, Cody is a, a trader. He used to have a, a Jeep, a couple of Jeeps, and now he's in a Toyota. So there you go. <laughs> I, I sold my toy- Toyotas a long time ago. So. Smart man. I've, I've been there and uh, there's no going back. So I think that's one of the one of the things that, uh, at, at least in my mind, uh, I don't think of a bunch of Jeeps in Australia. When I think of Australia, much like uh, Africa, I think of Land Rovers. Mm-hmm. Um, Land Rovers, Range Rovers, there's, there's everything. And now that we don't even have an automotive industry, there's definitely room for even more brands, funnily enough. But um, Jeeps, the Grand Cherokee for a while there, especially the, the, current, the current shape is – was the number one SUV in Australia for for a couple of years, year on year. I think it was fourteen and fifteen, right? So, and that, and basically the Wrangler's sort of ridden off the back of that. But prior to that, yeah, we're XJ. Before that, XJ was probably one of the most popular SUVs that was around down here as well. We've got a massive cult following the XJs and and even um, TJs. They're definitely um, TJs are out. TGs are even down here selling higher priced than um, two-door JKs. So now here here in the United States, uh, we use Jeeps to deliver the mail, and they all are, are all uh, right-hand uh, drive. In Australia, if you use a Jeep for delivery, is it a left-hand drive? No. <laughs> no Cody's like, what the hell? Yeah, what the hell? I have a, converse, uh, a question about the XJ. So here in the States, because the XJ is getting – harder and harder to find, we're starting to see that their um, price is going up, yeah. even for those that have been completely destroyed. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say molested, but this is a family show. Um, are you guys seeing the same thing in Australia? Are they rare enough to where they're starting to command a higher price? No, no XJs, I, um, at the start of the year, I bought two for $1,000. Wow. Most <laughs> running. Both so what is, what is shipment from Australia? Can I get you to buy me one and send me one? It's not a Toyota, Cody. <laughs> I want, I'll still drive a Jeep. I still have, I have. I actually have a Jeep shirt on right now. My wife has a Jeep. Oh, that's right. She has the Grand. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've uh, if you've heard enough of the show, uh, Ben, uh, to know that uh, I'm a Cherokee owner. Uh, I bought mine brand new. I'm one of the. It's like it's like being born in Texas. I'm one of the few people that was born in Texas, and I'm one of the few people that actually was the uh, the the. The Jeep Cherokee, uh, only the one only owner because I bought it new in '98. So uh, I've had a lot of fun with my Cherokee. Uh, I was I was unaware that you were it's a single single owner vehicle. I do realize how much you love it. Um, I don't think there's you know there's a certain amount of time within a you know a um, cast that it doesn't get mentioned three or four times. <laughs> That's true, and I don't know if you're aware it is red, uh, which I hardly ever mention. 
Um, so speaking of Jeeps, what kind of Jeep do you have, Ben? What kind of Jeep don't I have? Um, I've got I've got an old Willys pickup, um, a forty-seven. I've got a I've got two TJs. I've got a um, an ninety-six. The first of it's a August build, ninety-six build, um, and I have a ninety-five. I also have a full-size Cherokee sitting on my front lawn as well that runs with a three hundred and sixty in it, and I have a Grand Cherokee. Um, and I just purchased another Wrangler, another JKU. Oh, okay. Do you need someone to like pick up trash or do anything around your house? Because I will come and live there. It sounds <laughs> like that's a place I want to. My my wife my wife thinks that I have a disease that I'm selling them with. Bef- um, the minute I've sold one, I'm looking at another one. She sort of doesn't know what's going on there yet. Uh, we have a listener up in uh, up in Canada, Jensen, and uh, he uh, he has a bunch of Jeeps. And I think one of the uh, the common things that we said about him on the uh, xjtalk.com website uh, was uh, Jensen's like an old woman, except instead of cats, he collects Jeeps. My wife's in the background laughing at that right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's pointing at me. Yep, yep. She'll she'll use that one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. She's going to start saying, will you get your cats off the lawn, please? They're scaring the neighbors. So uh, do you have, which one of those is your favorite? Oh, they're like children. You're not meant to have favorites unless you're one-on-one with them, and then you can tell them that you're favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my girls, you're my favorite daughter that's here with me right now. That's it, and that's what I say to my jeeps. Uh, Excellent. So uh, now, on the uh, how many of them are modified? Um, I think there's only one that's stock. Okay, good, good man. You know about jeeps, then? (laughs) Yeah, just just empty each pocket. Is that the one? That's exactly right. So, uh, do you, obviously, uh, but I got to ask, you do get these things off road and, 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 uh, flex them out and do a little damage and, uh, come home and repair them and, uh, swear it that you're going to get rid of them if they break again and the whole nine yards, right? I, the breaking thing, I just don't swear that I'm going to get rid of them because I just, yeah, they're, they're like kids. I can't, get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your kid, your kid breaks their arm up. You know, at sport, you don't go, hey, son, you know what? Um, <laughs> I'm going to trade you in tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, I just that's that's the feeling I get when I, when I look at my Jeep. I sort of go, mm, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on it. Well, then how do you decide which one you're going to take out? Probably my Grand Cherokee is the one I drive the most, um, being that it's sort of it's set up as a daily more. So that's a 2014 model that. Um, with the eco diesel, so yeah, it's it's obviously gas mileage that rules on that one, and the other thing is it's just for the family, it's a lot more comfortable. Um, but I don't mind. I love running around, especially in summer with the TJs, with you know the roof open and half doors, and uh, I just you know it's my time to think. It's my happy place. It's nice yeah, having it's- that open air, uh, that open air atmosphere. My wife has a 2003 TJ. And my youngest daughter saved up a bunch of money, and uh, we went out and found a uh, 2001 uh, TJ for her. So uh, we've got uh, two TJs and two XJs uh, in this family, and we've got a Honda that we're getting ready to sell. Uh, You've got a flex ramp. I'd keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I don't have a big yard and certainly don't have a big driveway. I need the room. 
Oh, you can make it more compact that way. <laughs> yeah. You can just keep driving over it and use it as a uh, articulation test. That's true. Uh, a flex ramp. So um, the uh, now earlier I made the joke about the, the, the two Jeeps that are in Australia. Uh, do you have a, an idea about how many uh, Jeepers you have in Australia? I mean, I, I know you know uh, how many people subscribe to the magazine and have a feel for the, the, the number of uh, groups and uh, Jeep groups and uh, clubs that are out, out there. Um, there's the amount of clubs is just insane. Um, Australia being, a, I guess, the landmass size that it is, um, you know, it's it's there are a lot of jeeps, and I mean, we're we're about we're about um, you know, drive it, don't hide it is sort of where we what we sort of pride ourselves on. So that's, but um, there's definitely a lot more jeeps out there than what a lot of people think there is, and there's also a lot more jeeps out. I, I think Australia is the number one selling country outside North America, including obviously Canada, but even I think we beat Canada a couple of years, I think in 14 and 15 for Grand Cherokee. So there's definitely a lot of owners out here. That's great. And uh, so do you have a lot of uh, uh, sponsors, a lot of advertisers from the from the States and uh, other than Australia, any place, I guess, other than Australia? Oh, for sure, for sure. We've got quite a few, quite a few sponsors that are um, – you know, um, we've got the likes of uh, Synergy, Summit, um, BJ's Off-Road, Tom Woods, Terraflex, JKS. Um, you know, they're all they're all um, we're connected to those to those companies directly, and you know, and of course, uh, we work with both Mopar here and Mopar over there. So, uh, if if a small company maybe here in the states that was uh, I don't know selling uh, sliders or maybe uh, uh, inner fender uh, splash guards uh, and they wanted to break into the Australian market, uh, they could uh, contact you guys about advertising, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I mean, that's we've had we've had the likes of um, a few other companies on and off with um, with us. Um, in the states, that we've helped them, we've helped them connect with dealers and things like that out here. So they're sort of advertised with us for a, for a period of time, and then they've picked up a dealer and they've sort of gone through that dealer. Then from then on, if a, uh, a uh, us being real small too, we never know the price of things. So forgive me for asking, uh, but if if you're a small company uh, here in the states, uh, maybe a, a single owner, maybe a mom and pop. Uh, is there? A, can you give me a ballpark idea what it would cost to to put in a uh, a simple uh, ad into your magazine? Um, if you're looking at say let's say a half page, you're looking around the five hundred dollar mark. Which, with you guys having the the almighty American dollar, I mean, it's it's equivalent to seventy five cents per dollar. So you know, there's a there's um, some savings there. That's an excellent selling point, I think. <laughs> So that's an immediate discount. Absolutely. And it sounds like there's enough of a, a market there to sustain a brand and, you know, to, to, to warrant the advertising. I mean, I think if, if a company here in the States is putting out the marketing dollars to reach customers here, they probably have a, you know, a, an untapped market in Australia that they haven't gotten to yet. Um, that that's for sure, and you know we've we've um, had we've even had companies that we've um, just done we've done some 
a bit of product and a bit of swapping and things like that. And we've done a bit of that type of stuff for them to get out here and done product reviews on products for them and um, help them get into a, again into deal into um, dealers or resellers down here. So we've um, we're definitely you know contactable and happy to communicate with people and work with people. So uh, Australia is a pretty rough uh, country as far as off-roading goes. It would be a great uh, test bed, I would think, for some of the products uh, that people are uh, building here in the States as well. Oh, for sure. The only thing, you you know, you just got to worry about the snakes and all that type of stuff. Um, Unlike, you know, you don't have lions chasing you out here, but, you know, everything else will kill you. Yeah, the snakes that will track you and and eat you. I mean, uh, God, I don't know how you you people actually live there for very long. (laughs) And that's that's something that you like. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Ben, but we talked about earlier about how Australia, from a landmass size, is you know equivalent or close to North America. But if I understand correctly, there's only a handful of spots in that landmass that are actually populated. Does that mean like you just have this giant island that you can go wheeling anywhere at? <laughs> um, I suppose it's giant unless you compare it to Texas. But you know, huh? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, I like yeah. that. Oh, you like that? My little dinger didn't go off. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. I, there we go. I like that. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, uh, apart from that, yeah, it's it's definitely southeast coast is so all the way from Queensland down on that on that coastline all the way down through to Melbourne, which goes down on south, and then you go across to Adelaide. It's definitely that's the the majority of the population, and then you got a little. You got like a, a little land island over there called Perth, and the rest of the country is pretty vacant there in the middle. And it's yeah, there's a lot of desert, there's a lot of sand, there's a lot of stuff that gets lost. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I just got to tell you, I can't uh, say uh, be appreciative enough for ARB. I, I've got a couple of ARB lockers. Finally got one of them installed in my uh, my Cherokee. Got another one going in uh, fairly soon. And uh, I just uh, I'm I'm just tickled pink about that Australian company that builds lockers. ARB, ARB, yeah, they're they're a little Australian company that's worth in the hundreds of millions. So, yes, you know, they, <laughs> <laughs> they do all, they do all right down here, especially especially in um, land land cruiser and patrol world. They definitely they're definitely very dominant down here. But um, it's funny a lot of a lot of Australian jeep is just like sticking American stuff on their American vehicle. So, you know. Oh, man, I just can't imagine not putting an ARB. And I, I would imagine they're like five bucks down there since, you know, you're in where they make them. So. No, no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be sending them over there for $25. There you go. <laughs> we, we can sell them on the show for you. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they are definitely, you know, a company that all Australians are pretty proud of, or all Australian wheelers are pretty proud of, is um, is ARB. But as I said, it's 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 an interesting thing to to watch and to look at. That that um, you walk around, you walk around an Australian Jeep, and you know, I go then I go to um to somewhere like SEMA, and I'm sort of like, yeah, I've seen that on such and such as Jeep back home. I've seen that on that. Oh, that's an update. I'll send him a photo to know that he's got to change that on his. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you you guys actually have some connections with uh, some people doing off road stuff now, don't you? I think you mentioned uh, Dan Greck earlier. Yes, so Dan Dan um, we've been featuring Dan in the magazine for um, for quite a while now, and 
Um, I think we're a little bit behind his journey, but we're not too far behind his journey. I stay in contact with Dan, so he's um, so yeah, we're um, we've had him. We've um, now got another young couple um, from New Zealand, um, Expedition Earth, I think they're called. Yeah, Expedition Earth that are um, that are they've just made their way down from. So they started off. Um, North and they've gone right through um, down to Mexico. Now they're doing Honduras and yeah, they're um, yeah they started up in Alaska. So uh, no, they're they're having a ball. They're kind of doing the old uh, Dan Greck trip, the one that uh, he he went on before he uh, moved over to Africa uh, and to doing the outside of uh, circumnavigating the uh, the continent. Now I know uh, I know Dan yeah. Greck and our listeners know that Dan Greck has a JKU. This uh, this other couple that you just mentioned, do you do you know what they're driving? They're driving a JKU as well, but they're finishing they're finishing um, in. They're actually going to finish in New Zealand, so they're actually going to do the whole of um, the world. So they're My goodness. they're not just yeah. So they've they've basically planned it out that they're going to take two years to do it, and they're doing some serious miles. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. What what kind of snorkel do you need to get to New Zealand from uh, South America? <laughs> I, I'd be I'd be yeah. I'm I'm thinking they need one of those aqua breather things. <laughs> Oh, that would be an interesting trip, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of pressure. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's, and it, it's it's not the right size sub for a couple. I don't think um, you'd want to be careful what you ate. Well, I think the yeah, I think the important thing is uh, the important thing here is is that you can do overlanding in a jeep, which I think a lot of people think you can't do that they're just too small. Uh, certainly, they'll go anywhere, but uh, to actually live out of a Jeep, uh, they just think it can't be done. And, and here we have people showing it can be done. Well, they're going to spend two years on an air mattress in the back of a JKU. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I mean, that's a marriage that's going to survive anything. Oh, yeah. It's going to survive anything. If they can get that two years, I mean, once they move into a house, they're going to not know themselves. Yeah, I guarantee one of them's got a hammock or something they can use for the nights where they don't get along. I mean, they, someone's got to have an escape somewhere. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not going to question them. They, they, they're, um, they're a young couple that are going hard at it, and I think it's it's, awesome. it's awesome. Now, we recently interviewed uh, Eric, uh, editor of uh, JP Freak Magazine, and he actually took a trip to Aust- uh, not Australia to Africa. And spent ten days with Dan Gregg. Uh, when are you guys going to go out there and ride along with Dan? Because I, I think he likes the company. I'm a little bit big. To um, I'm a big guy. <laughs> 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 I think I think Dan would just be like, yeah, I, he, yeah, I don't know if he'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd prefer me to catch up with him when I'm when I'm stateside next and he's back there <laughs> but no we, we 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 talk a bit and joke a bit and um yeah he's he's definitely um you know having fun out there which is great yeah that's uh that's a heck of a trip a heck of an adventure and uh one that people probably could do easier than they think especially when you uh, hear what dan has to say about it now how often do you guys have stuff in the magazine about dan so he's we're featuring him in every issue, so we're bi-monthly, so we're every two months. So we we feature him, we feature him every issue, and you know while his journey's going. So that's what we're we've been. Um, he's been feeding his content, and you know 
we've been publishing that. So once he decides to finish, I guess we'll we'll finish finish up with him. So uh, I would imagine you guys are available for uh, subscription uh, anywhere, or at least in the United States. Yes, we are. We are. So um, people can get that from jeepaction.com.au or jeepaction.com. Uh, we also have a state site there, and they, yeah, they can subscribe online. So uh, six episodes a year and uh, all kinds of uh, jeeping, uh, good jeeping content in there. And uh, I'm assuming that inside uh, you can use that same website information if you'd like to uh, perhaps uh, advertise in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, otherwise, people can reach out to me on Facebook. We're Jeep Action uh, Magazine on Facebook, and we're also on Instagram as Jeep Action, um, Jeep Action, Jeep Action Mag. So that's me. Um, but yeah, we've got content from, and I mean, our, our readers go from basically 42 to current i mean that's that's basically what our readers are so i mean we've got in the current issue out we've got um old we've got a story on old jeep um jeepsters willie's jeepsters we've got you know um introduction of cj5 right through to current jl stuff and yeah we we cover the whole gamut so you mentioned the jl what's your what's your feeling on the jl uh, what do you think of it my, my feeling of the jl i I haven't driven one. I haven't, you know, had that time with it. But to me, I think that, you know, um, they've obviously got to cater to to that wider demographic, um, not so much just the off-roader, but they've got to basically sell vehicles to everybody. It's about selling about selling numbers. But I think that they've kept, they've kept it flexible enough that people can take it and put their own spin on it like they have with the JK. Right. Well, you know, I was really excited when they were going to uh, remake or, or use the, the name Cherokee again uh, on the, the new uh, Jeep that they were coming out with. But I was very disappointed in how they uh, created it. It didn't look anything reminiscent of the uh, 1984 through 2001 uh, Jeep Cherokee. Uh, and frankly, I was a bit insulted uh, because of the way it looked. And one of the things that impressed me about the JL was that they didn't um, – disrespect uh the wrangler or the memory of the wrangler what it has been for for so many years so in that respect i was i was happy but then again i was pissed off because they could have done the same thing for the cherokee <laughs> i i i always see that that i suppose wranglers wrangler's going to be the least touched and the least modified for that market because it's always going to be the heart and soul of the brand i think that yeah. that's what yeah. they they've recognized whether or not People, people personally, and I'm not going to have that discussion, I suppose, with angry XJ owners. Um, <laughs> that should be the heart soul of the brand. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's, my opinion. You don't have to agree with it, Ben. You got you got people that want to subscribe to your magazine. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us don't agree with don't his opinion, but just, just keep going. <laughs> no, I just don't want to land stateside, you know. Seen it this year and have people hunting me. <laughs> what <laughs> is he landing? What airport is he landing at? Well, just go twenty feet off road, and those Cherokee owners won't be able to get to you. <laughs> uh, no, um, no I, uh, I think it's good that they've got a live axle model. I think that yes. as long as it's a live axle model, I think that you know there'll be there'll be there'll be diehards. Oh, absolutely! Know, for as long absolutely, as they do that. So you're coming to SEMA uh, this year? Yes, yes. Um, the fact that um, it's 
going to be obviously it's going to be a big deal with being the first year of the JL. Um, but I also like to just get out and it's a good, it's actually a good place to meet up with a few people and catch up with a few of the, I suppose, the guys who are um, affiliated with the mag, but also to um, to catch up with other journalists and other people um, such as Rick and from um, JP and Chris from Overland Journal and a few other guys. We all, we all get along um, yeah, as much as we're. Awesome. It's, uh, it's last year, interesting. Uh, yeah. I was going to say last year at SEMA, I ran into Rick and uh, um, like was totally one of the few times in my life I've been starstruck and <laughs> turned around and ran back and said, Hey, man, I love everything you do. Here's my card. <laughs> I want to talk to you on my show because I, I have my own show. But uh, yeah, I was just completely dumbfounded how, how cool he was. Um, and I'll, I'll be out there at SEMA this year as well. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll get a chance to hook up. You know, you know, they, um, Jeep are actually that sort of starstruck with him as well that they actually put his sandals on the front uh, in front of the windscreen on the JL. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the little Easter eggs on the JL. I was blown away. But, yeah, Crazy. he's definitely been a good brand ambassador. I hate it when a multi-billion-dollar company sucks up. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you, you want you want your headphones on the next on the next um cherokee don't you oh no i don't <laughs> hopefully it's even uglier than this one so we can all point at it and laugh Tony's <laughs> mark is on this uh well you know jeep uh in jeep's defense they did their market research because uh, the cherokee the new cherokee sold very well for them uh, as is the uh, the renegade i believe uh well ben i can't thank you enough for being here with us tonight uh we covered the social media stuff i believe was there was there anything else that you wanted to, to point out uh, give us the the website information for your magazine again um, yeah, so the website is uh, cheap action, so com. So that that'll um, lead you straight straight to us. Excellent. So, well, uh, you you'll uh, be seeing us. I suppose I should shout, I should make a shout out also to um, Ian Fletcher, who's um, a founding member of the Melbourne Jeep Owners Club, who I'm affiliated with. So. Yep, I've had a, a couple of conversations with Ian, and Ian's wanting to know why he doesn't have his Jeep Talk Show sticker yet. Ian, I'm going to get it out to you. I'm just I'm really bad about shipping things out. I'm going to try to handle all that this weekend, but uh, <laughs> be patient. Uh, so uh, the uh, the other thing I was going to mention was is that if you see a new subscription come in from the states, specifically Texas, you'll know who it's from. Yeah, no, we will. We will. We'll <laughs> all right, Ben, thanks a lot for being with us here tonight. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, I got to give a big thanks to Ben Davidson for taking the time to talk about being the editor for Jeep Action Magazine, which, if, guys, if you guys haven't checked this out yet, do yourself a favor. Head over there now. Just the most stunning articles and Jeep-related off-road photography. It's going to blow your mind. So attractive. So beautiful. I, I mean, you want to get some really nice wallpapers? Just head over there, man. I love the photography on this website. It's really good, but... uh uh, we've got kind of got a big announcement um, coming out from this. Uh, this content is only going to be available bonus content, um, but we got a big announcement related to Jeep Action Magazine, which uh, you guys are going to want definitely want to pay attention in episode three forty four, uh, where we're going to be talking about how two listeners each month are going to win a full one year subscription to this magazine for free. I was blown away. What a great offer from uh, Ben uh, and the Jeep Action Magazine. I mean, this is wonderful news. We love this kind of uh, this kind of thing where we can give away to our listeners. 
Absolutely. And you guys are going to absolutely love this sort of stuff. Uh, so if, if you want to you know, get in on this action, well, stay tuned. Make sure you're telling your Jeep buddies about upcoming episodes of the Jeep Talk Show where we're going to be giving away subscriptions, one-year subscriptions to this magazine. So really cool stuff. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Well, we'd sure love to have you. Everybody's got a Jeep story to tell, right? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. Hey, and coming up next week, Dell Albright, a 50-year off-road veteran and inductee into the Off-Road Motorsports Hall of Fame. Is that right, Josh? Motorsports yeah. Hall of Fame? Wow. That's right. Yeah. Why is so he talking to is- us? <laughs> That's what I was wondering because, I mean, this guy is a combat veteran. Yep. He is a 50-year off-road uh, motorsports enthusiast. The guy fights tooth and nail for off-road rights to try and keep trails and public lands open for off-road use. This man, I think, is going to be my next hero. I can't wait to peel back the layers of Dell Albright. This is going to be a great interview. It's all happening next week, episode 344. Make sure you guys check it out. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, let me show you what happened to me this week. Uh, sitting at home on my favorite bucket, enjoy, <laughs> enjoying my subscription to uh, Tinfoil Quarterly. When there's a knock on my door, I answer it, and it's animal control. And they went ahead to inform me that my dog, Sir Craps a lot, has been reported that he has been chasing people on bicycles. That is ridiculous. <laughs> he doesn't even own a bicycle, <laughs> let alone how to know how to ride one. And I'm pretty sure his tail would get caught in a chain. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. He's doing his own rim shots. <laughs> He's doing his own rim shots now, Josh. He's, doing, oh, he's into production. <laughs> that was only a matter of time. How much time he spends at night, like sitting there thinking of these things because they're hilarious. And we need to get <laughs> like we need to do a, a an all Nikki G episode where it's just for two hours all of his call ins. Uh, we have about three hundred of them. <laughs> I was gonna say there's a lot. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Christmas episode this year. You guys take the week off. Just roll all of the Nikki G stuff. <laughs> we'll we stream it, it 24-7 yeah. exactly yeah. stream it live <laughs> it's the Nikki G channel all Nikki G all the time coming up in a few minutes we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware alright well normally we do a, a bit of a Cherokee love thing here but this week uh, going to do a, a Jeep love so I recently saw a question uh, from a 2011 uh, JKU owner he wanted to know if his non-Rubicon, I forget the sp- specific model he had, but it wasn't a Rubicon, uh, if his non-Rubicon Wrangler had lockers. Uh, sadly, unless the previous owner had installed them, no, he does not. It does not come with lockers from the factory. So um, the, the, the thing that, I mean, he knew that he wanted lockers. I don't know if he, he, if he knew what they would do for him or not, uh, but... Uh, uh, I guess that's kind of the question here for the roundtable. What what difference do lockers make, and why does the Rubicon have them? Josh, Cody, uh, anybody want to start here? Yeah, well, the, I, the Rubic. Go ahead, Cody. Both both start. I, I would rather that happen. Uh, so, as part of our um, part of my conversation with Matt about buying a vehicle on the on the 
Trail Chasers uh, podcast, we had this exact conversation a couple of days ago about why you would need one. And, and, you know, depending on the type of wheeling you're going to do, if you're if you're trail rides and, and you know, doing um, mildly, mildly aggressive stuff, you won't really need a locker. But it's one of those things where if you have it, the, the one time you need it, you wish you had it. And um, what it does for you is it allows both tires to spin uh, simultaneously as opposed to the factory differential, which will um, recognize a different rotating speed for each tire and separate the powertrain from one side to the other. I know that's a very simplified version, but at the end of the day, when you're wheeling, if one tire goes off the ground, you want the other tire to spin. And the factory differential, even some limited slips, will will not do that as well. Let me, and, let, me make, let me make it even simpler. The power of your engine will go to the wheel with the least amount of traction. So, yes, which is exactly the opposite of what you want when you're wheeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, at any time. I mean, uh, if it's ice or mud or anything, it, yeah. it, it just seems stupid. But they do that uh, for, for a good reason. Uh, and the locker allows you to override that. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my take on this is if you're shopping for a used four by four and you've got the option for a factory installed locker, like in a Rubicon or, or one of the after one of the other manufacturers that I won't name at this moment that have lockers available uh, from the factory, it's probably something you should look into the, the cost of adding one after the fact isn't necessarily cheap, but you know, in some cases you can put in a, what they call a lunchbox locker or a easy locker that just, you know, replaces the center part of your, your, the gear section of your differential, um, that gives you some of that benefit. But I, I have one in my truck and uh, I'm glad it's there. Yeah, I think that's the case. Uh, and also too, I, I, I didn't ever think about this, but uh, I actually saw on a Facebook post where a guy was a, a, a bit uh, sheepish about, uh, his issue with his TJ, he was uh, on an incline, and it was just really a trail. Uh, it wasn't anything fancy, and uh, the the incline, uh, he had to make a uh, basically like a one eighty uh, to go Ooh. up the trail uh, the other side, and uh, he got stuck because he was at that that uh, area where the the one trail is going up and the other trail is down, and he's trying to make that turn, and now he's in that situation where. One tire isn't, uh, or actually two of the tires are not getting uh, very good traction, and he was stuck. He couldn't move forward. He actually had to have somebody come push him a little bit so he, the one of the, the the tire that was getting the least amount of traction could get traction so he could go farther up the trail. Had he had a locker, his buddy wouldn't be laughing at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the same thing could be true if you're going uh, uh, like a, doing a 45 diagonal through a ditch. Uh, that'll get you stuck because the the two tires uh, will be uh, no traction and you won't be able to move. You basically, be stuck in the ditch. Yeah, and what you what you see, like if you're going through a rut at an angle, picture picture those those Instagram photos with people that are all flexed out, and you go through this rut at an angle, and one tire droops down to the ground really low, um, but doesn't actually make contact because it's sitting in that hole. Well, that's the tire that's going to spin. Right, and if front tires for whatever reason let's assume the back tires in the hole if your front tires for whatever reason can't get traction to pull you forward you're not going to go anywhere you're just going to be a really cool shot with a tire move it's you know photo so, ops right here yeah yeah hey everybody take a shot because i'm going to be here for 20 minutes trying to get out of this hole but with a, with a locker that that other tire that's still making good solid contact would spin and drive the vehicle forward without having to worry about um, you know, whether or not the front's made connection or made, made traction. 
If you guys would like to learn more about lockers and differentials in general, well, we have a three-episode special where we talked all about that. Episodes 302, 303, and 304. We go in-depth with differentials, lockers, and traction devices. You guys can learn all about what lockers are, the kinds of lockers that are out there, what they do, the pros and cons of all of them, and, well, some terminology as far as uh, how that differential works and exactly what's going on underneath your Jeep. Yep, yep. Lockers are, are generally good things. They're kind of expensive and a bit of a hassle. Uh, almost always have to be professionally installed. Uh, it, d- it just depends. I think, Josh, you have a, a selectable that you're going to be installing in yours here uh, pretty soon. A limited slip, actually. Um, it's, a, it's a version of a lunchbox locker, uh, but doesn't have clutch plates. Um, oh, this, yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very excited. That's going to go in the rear. Now, I've been locked up in the front for, for years. Um, with a uh, with a Spartan locker, which I absolutely love up there. Uh, a lot of guys don't because it's not selectable. They they think they have a hard time, uh, you know, navigating through corners and stuff like that. Um, it, there's just a trick to it, and you got to know what you're doing. <laughs> so, uh, and this is a, another simplified way of looking at it. When you when you bought your four wheel drive Jeep, you didn't get unless it's a Rubicon with lockers or or the vehicle has lockers. You do not have a four wheel drive. When you are in the two wheel drive position of your transfer case. You have a one-wheel drive. Caveat to that may be if you have a limited slip uh, differential, then you have sometimes a, a two-wheel drive. <laughs> Most of the time, you got one one wheel being driven by the engine. Uh, and if you put it into uh, four uh, high or four low, you have a two-wheel drive because one of the tires or one of the wheels in the front is going to be not getting power. Mm-hmm. So that's what lockers do for you. Lockers allow you to, if you have one both front and rear, allow you to make it a true four-wheel drive. What the hell, man? I thought this was a Jeep-only park. What the, the this damn Toyota that's doing here? Yeah, notice the Toyota <laughs> got here first. Hey, God, it's not a renegade. Ah, <laughs> easy there. Shots fired. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Well, at least you guys are uh, are driving your Jeep. I'm I'm driving the Honda, but uh, for a little while there, I wasn't. I was forced to drive the Jeep for uh, for a few days. Anyways, the Honda was stolen again. <laughs> what, so what is what do you have in that Honda that everybody wants? Not a damn thing. That's just it. <laughs> so I mean, uh, it's an something. Does it, does it have like an alien alien artifact in it that no, people are trying no, to wipe? People keep stealing. It's a 1996 Accord. It is literally the easiest car to break into on the planet, um, aside from a topless Jeep. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it is the most stolen vehicle in the U.S. Um, I think 1997 Accord is the uh, is the second most stolen, um, or something like that. So it's just it's just one of these things. Let me, let me stop you, Josh. Uh, I, there's people out there that are going. What did he say? They're, they're pausing to find the rewind button. They're, they're going to have a wreck right now because they're listing in their Jeeps. Would you repeat what you just said about the Honda? It was stolen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was stolen again. Again. How, this is the, time, yeah, yeah. Fourth. Yeah, fourth. Fourth, fourth time. time. Fourth time okay, it's been this, stolen point, and it's. At this point, you should just give it to him. Like, I mean, clearly somebody wants it more than you do. Let them have it. It's like everybody, the Seinfeld everybody episode. Everybody was saying, everybody was saying, oh, fourth time, you're not getting it back. No, I didn't no, think third, so. Third time was the charm. That was your last chance. You know, it's, fourth time, you're not getting it back. It's like you know, the Seinfeld so. episode, the one with the car that had the B.O. 
and he just goes to the guy, the thug on the street, and in the keys, here. and he throws the keys at the car, and he goes like, "Here, take the car, <laughs> please." <laughs> That's gonna be so so freaking frustrating. I, I know well, you're it, gonna laugh, but it yes and no. It, over the last year or more, uh, it's part of my morning routine. I'm not I'm not joking at all here. I, part of my morning routine is I wake up. I look out in the driveway to see if the Honda's still there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure. I know you're laughing, but it's, it's not funny because it's oh, really a crappy. It's a crappy feeling you, having to. Part of your morning routine is, is in case. <laughs> it, it's just you know it, it sucks, but you know it, it is what it is. It's anybody who has had a car stolen more than once can associate with what I'm going through at least a little bit, but. <sighs> So uh, yeah, it, and it was very frustrating you, because United States started a support group because nobody yes. had more, more <laughs> cars stolen more than three uh, people, times. People are saying that I uh, that I need to call the news stations because uh, they're going to get a kick out of this. But um, but no, I mean it was like Friday Friday morning. I I had plans. I was supposed to be going uh, shooting with uh, with some friends after work. Um, and so you know I opened up the garage door. I had everything all staged up in the garage, ready to go. Um, open up the garage to start loading the car before work. And doc. Crap, the driveway's empty. Well, I guess we know what this means. So it's like, well, all right, call work. I'm not going into work. Um, call Hold the police because I got to make a report. I have to ask this question. Does your yeah. boss, like every time you make this phone call, <laughs> is your boss like, yeah, okay, Josh, the car's got stolen again. You can't come in, <laughs> right? I mean, do they, do they believe and you it, anymore? And it was a Friday. So no, that following <laughs> Monday when I went back to work, there were some people that's like, really? really guy you know uh so it's like no nah, i'm driving the jeep here it is here's the police report the whole nine yards my story didn't change at all so yeah it was it, it was a mess it was a hell of a weekend um uh, you know back to work monday and i uh um i drove the jeep in discovered that that the transfer case uh, rebuild it really went well um however my rear output shaft seal uh, has a small leak uh, just driving around town i didn't notice it um, didn't really leak at all. Uh, put some freeway miles on it to get to that Jeep event that I did this last weekend. And, uh, lo and behold, uh, it, it was leaking, not so much to where it was spewing down the, the underbody and, and on the exhaust and whatnot and giving a smoke show. Uh, it wasn't that bad, but it was enough to, uh, to, you know, make the, uh, make the underbody a little wet and, and enough to where I was like, okay, I can't, I can't be wheeling this and I, I definitely can't be driving this, uh, you know, for two or three hours to go to a wheeling event or to a Jeep event. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I mean, the, the, the event was great. Uh, saw a lot of people that I only get to see, you know, once a year or so, um, at these sort of events, but, uh, um, did, a did the raffle and, and emceed the event for the people and, and had a really good time. And, and, uh, uh they had a couple of Jeepers pass away over the last year. We did a, a nice little thing for them. Um, did, uh, did a big thing. Uh, they got some charity events coming up and, uh, uh, they're raising a lot of money over the last year for the, oh geez, what I'm going to brain fart on the charity now. It's like, uh, it's a, it's a, one of the, one of the toys, toys for toys for joy or, or toys for tots or, or one of those, um, that, uh, where they give, they give, uh, toys to, to kids at Christmas time. And uh, I think this this coming year is going to be one of their record years. That's a so, that's a yearly thing. The same thing they do every year, isn't it? Every year, yeah. yeah. Now this is my seventh or eighth year in a row going to this event. This is one of the nation's oldest Jeep, uh, sanctioned, recognized Jeep clubs. They were established back in 1961 or 62, wow. 63, somewhere around there. And they've been recognized ever since because they 
They do a lot of stuff with, uh, uh, with the Department of Forestry. They do a lot of stuff with local charities and whatnot. Really good, a uh, really good Jeep club. You guys want to look them up. They're called Jolly Jeepers, uh, and, uh, and they're just some of the best group of people that you'll ever meet. That's awesome. So, Cody, what's going on with you? Well, I have this thing called the Trail Chasers Podcast. We started doing some episodes again recently. We talked about it once or twice um, with my brother-in-law, kind of changing the format. Uh, I have recently went on the uh, Inland Empire Four-Wheelers, did a, a Jeep event called the uh, Big Bear Forest Fest, and it's up in Big Bear. And my brother, who works for All J Projects, uh, All J Products was sponsoring, his company was sponsoring a run. So I came up there on a Friday night and lined up as the lone Tacoma in a oh, in a line of like 40 that, that had to make you feel good. Oh, it was hilarious. I jumped out and I'm like, is this where all the Toyotas are supposed to be? And oh, everybody, oh man. Um, but they all, they, most of them knew I was coming because of, you know, the, the, my relationship with the all J products. And, uh, we went on what was called the spooky run and they had a guy that, that was a local that as we were driving through from the staging point through the freeway, all the way through the, the trail was giving us, historical facts and ghost stories about, you know, uh, oh, wow. uh my dying, miners dying and, and, you know, people going off the cliff and it was really, it was, it was called the spooky run and it was kind of corny in some places, but it was fun. It was, you know, my wife really had a good time and my, my daughter still talks about the, uh, golden, what was it? The golden deer ghost that's supposed to be jumping across the freeway. She said, we saw a ghost and, uh, but it, you know, we're, we're getting the Jeep, the, the truck out and, wheeling as much as we can and trying to put some more show product, uh, show, uh, content out and just busy, just keeping busy. That's great. And as I said before, I'm really glad that, uh, trail chasers are back with us back, back alive and kicking. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, we, we kind of just quietly started uh, putting some stuff out cause with the change in the format, I wanted to see how it goes. And you know, Matt, uh, it didn't take Matt very long to get comfortable on the microphone. He's a real funny guy. And, uh, you know, we we talked about this a little bit earlier where, where, you know, Matt sits down at the microphone and we, we were like, Oh, what are we going to talk about? You think we can get a whole show out of this? And 14 tangents later, we've got an hour of, of content that they were about to put out. That's mostly just him and I sitting back having a conversation. So uh, we're going to start doing some interviews soon. Um, got a couple lined up and then, you know, just keep producing every week. Yeah. Josh and I used to sit there and go, man, I, I just don't know what we're going to talk about for an hour. I just, I don't, I don't know. And then in, in an hour and 10 minutes is like, well, we can better wrap this thing up. Yeah. I've kind of, I kind of come to that point where I'm like, okay, the show's going to be as long as it's going to be, whatever, it, you know, if it's, a, if it's 20 minutes or if it's two hours, you know, we're just going to have a conversation about this and it, it just works itself out most of the time. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you, you, you don't worry about it. It'll, uh, it'll handle itself. So, uh, speaking of worrying about it, uh, you guys know I've been worried about my, uh, my engine here, uh, cooling system here recently because it overheated uh, going up to uh, the uh, Hidden Falls off-road, port, uh, off-road park. I actually fried a thermostat in the process. Wow. And uh, I was able to, to get it back together with uh, a, a listener's uh, help and uh, give me a little ride down to uh, the uh, parts store and we purchased it and... Uh, actually replaced the thermostat for me. I talked all about that in the last episode. Uh, but uh, I'm, you know, what little bit of off-roading that I was able to do in the, the final couple hours that I had left uh, being there, uh, it was just so much damn fun. And I didn't really didn't get to do anything except drive right around the trails and play with the, uh, the Atlas a little bit. Uh, and damn it, I want to go back. So I, I'm I'm getting serious. I've done everything you can possibly do to the stock cooling system, so I'm getting serious on this bitch. I'm gonna fix it with it. Um, uh, hopefully, 
a, engine. a V8 swap. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> I, I think I would still have a problem with the with the the little radiator, though. I think I would even have uh, maybe a more serious problem uh, with uh, additional horsepower and heat. But anyway, I'm going to put in a engine motor oil cooling system. You know that thing where you put in the little plate between the uh, the oil filter uh, and the oil filter adapter on the block, and actually uh, use some. Uh, uh, what do you? What did you said the? Uh, is it an? Uh, you said that earlier in your thing. What's it yeah, called? Yeah, the an an fittings. Yeah, the an fittings and the the braided uh, hoses because I don't mm-hmm. want that damn thing leaking. It just scares the hell out of me thinking about the the oil being someplace other than in the engine. So I'm going to be using uh, anodized uh, uh, aluminum connectors, and I think that's right. Uh, and uh, an ten, I think, is what I read. Um, and, uh, I've got the, the, the sandwich plate coming in, uh, and then I'm going to be looking at seeing what size, uh, cooler that I'm going to put on it. And I've, I've instead of, uh, I, I read about this, uh, somebody doing this to their, their Cherokee and, uh, driving someplace with another Cherokee and the other Cherokee was having to stop and cool down a lot, especially going up, uh, inclines like mountainous terrain. And, uh, he wasn't having that issue, but the way he did it was he actually put an electric fan on the uh, the mini radiator uh, for the oil cooling, I'm going to yeah. do it a little different. I'm going to go the same direction that you go with on the transmission cooler. So I'm going to put it into the airstream, which is kind of counterintuitive because you know that's where the heat is. You're trying to get rid of the heat anyway, and you're kind of putting it into the airstream. But I'm going to try it there first. I can always do electric fan later because that's going to be a little bit of a tricky thing trying to find an air source uh, under a hood that's not 200 degrees. And Tony, coming from a 22-year HVAC veteran, um, air transfer is relative, right? So if you're if you're if you're getting heat off of that radiator that's 200 degrees, but your fluid you're trying to cool is 400 degrees, you've got a 200 degree oh. delta there. You're going to get some some cooling, right? I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's it's all about heat transfer and how much and how much of a delta you've got between the 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 uh, air airflow and the uh, stuff that you're trying to cool. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's worth a shot and I'm sure you've already, we've already, I know we've had conversations about this, but does yours, does your Jeep have that, uh, enclosed cooling system where there's no radiator cap and you have to pull the top tube off to fill it up? Uh, there's a radiator cap on the, on the radiator. Some of, some of the early Cherokees had, had a fully enclosed system and you'd, you'd have to take the upper radiator hose off put the radiator fluid in there and then stick the radiator hose back on. Oh, wow. And, no, and I, I had, I've never I had seen one that. like that. Yeah, I had one like that, and I ended up ripping the radiator out to put a regular radiator in, and that helped fix some of my problems, and I threw an electric fan on the radiator itself and never had any cooling issues after that. Yeah, unfortunately, and I think it has to do with the Texas heat and humidity that causes this issue because a lot of people don't have the problem. And In fact, I blew a hose uh, the other day going to work, uh, just right at work, the upper hose, uh, I mean, just just burst open and, and like uh, unzipped. It was just I've never seen yeah. such a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, some pictures on Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, Jeep Talk Show. But uh, anyway, uh, I replaced it at work and I, I I babied it all the way home because I was concerned about that lower hose because the lower hose is the one that usually goes. And uh, I, I drove it uh, 60, 65 miles an hour, made sure that I keep the RPMs uh, down, didn't drive it like uh, – the torquey beast that it is. And, uh, you know, I just drive the hell out of it and doing that, uh, the temperature was fine. So, you you know, if you're, if you're going, my Cherokee doesn't do that. Why are you having such a problem? It's, 
honestly, it's the heat, humidity, and my foot. Uh, I like driving my Jeep, and I like you know running it up uh, down the road. I mean, I, I don't swerve in and out of traffic, but I also too don't leave big gaps between the uh, me and the vehicle uh, that are there in front of me because somebody's going to cut in there. I don't tailgate, but I follow the two second rule, and I, I keep that gap pretty uh, uh, pretty well uh, constant. So uh, when I don't do that, it uh, it gets a little warm, but it doesn't certainly doesn't overheat. So it has a lot to do with the way I drive it. Now, when I came home from uh, the off-road park, the best I could do was 2,000 RPM and about 55 miles an hour so that I could actually drive that 189 miles home. I've got to fix that. Uh, I, I need to be able to drive the Jeep at, uh, uh, at 70 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour, and have it be able to uh, control its heat. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way it is now, during the summer, that's not going to happen. Uh, so oil cooling. Uh, the other thing I've been working on is my onboard air. So, uh, Josh, you remember this back whenever you were like uh, 10 years old and you started uh, with uh, started on the show here, how I had my air horn and my uh, compressor and the tank and everything. All these best laid plans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well the, the tank and the air compressor have been installed. Uh, you saw the picture, I think, on uh, I think I shared it with you, but I also put it on uh, Instagram. And, uh, <laughs> so I've actually got it mounted in the back of the Jeep. Uh, and hopefully this weekend, what I'll be doing is running the, uh, I think it's like a 10 gauge or 12 gauge, uh, wire, uh, for power, uh, from the, uh, from the, the battery area all the way back to the back of the, the, the Jeep. So I could hook up the compressor and, uh, run a couple of airlines, uh, got to run a, uh, a, a ARB airline from the manifold that I'm putting under the hood. Uh, all the way back to the uh, the uh, Chrysler eight and a quarter where the uh, air lockers installed, and of course a big airline running up from uh, from the tank all the way up to the manifold uh, under the hood to get that uh, fresh air supply. Now I may or may not have the air uh, not air locker the air horn uh, installed soon, but come on, frankly, you know that's nothing but fun. So <laughs> I don't need that uh, my daily drive. In fact, they probably keep me out of trouble. Um, I did get to play with it a little bit, and damn, it's loud. Yeah, those uh, those compressors uh, do make a little bit of noise, especially when they're inside the cab. I yeah. mean, heck, even when they're in the engine compartment, they they still rattle around. But I mean, when you're at the point of where you're going to be using the air compressor, it's not exactly like you're sitting in the jeep trying to have a conversation with somebody either. So you know, and when you're out on the trail, the tank is going to be pressurized. You're never going to hear that thing come on uh, unless you're you know on and off with the lockers enough to where you drop the psi low enough to where it'll kick the, 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 the pressure switch on. Um, but you know, ultimately I, I don't think it's anything you got to worry about. I will say that, uh, that your, your, your mounting solution, boy, that's stout. Good Lord. Yeah, I think I know. It, a little overkill <laughs> if, if nothing else, but, but no, yeah. you explained it really well. You explained it really well off the air kind of in chat as to your reasoning behind it, not wanting to drill additional holes in the floor and what and whatnot totally makes sense. Uh, but I, I, I question for you, are you worried about the sacrifice to your storage uh, storage area? I Absolutely, mean, you used up a lot of a lot of storage space with that tank and the compressor. Um, you know, not not leaving a whole lot of room for you know tools, spare parts. Uh, you know that the the OS bag, you know, over the the trail bag, that sort of stuff. Um, is this is this going to be the final uh, the final version of this install or? Well, or uh, do you think you might move some things around? Well, not not shown in the picture that you saw, but the trail bag is back in there. There, there is. Oh, okay. There is okay. room. Uh, the high lift jack is back in there. Uh, oh, I, cool. I need I need to actually mount that thing because right now it's just a 
uh, 80 pound uh, projectile waiting to hit me in the back of the head. Uh, but uh, the one thing I was thinking about doing was uh, is getting a thin piece of uh, sheet metal and actually bending it over uh, from one side of the ankle iron all the way to the the one in the back and just kind of making a uh, a nice little cover to protect the and to keep things off the hot compressor and uh, also too if that tank was to ever blow I'd like for it to hit something besides you know occupants in the jeep or the glass and stuff. And that would uh, allow me to to shove things in there, and that little metal shield would keep uh, it off of the compressor, and maybe some of those fittings that uh, might get broken off uh, by you know stuff running uh, flopping around back there. Uh, if that tank at 125 or 150 psi, three gallons, uh, suddenly ruptures inside the cab with passengers, it's, you're gonna, this is the last thing that you're going to have to worry about. <laughs> You've got I think at that point there's something yeah. new. So uh, I think uh, you, uh, Cody, you put in there hood vents. Uh, some of my experimentation with hood vents on the overheating thing. Some of my exper- experimentation with hood vents on my uh, my Jeep. Uh, the amount of metal that you have to remove from the hood to actually uh, get the heat out of there. Uh, is huge. Uh, you uh, and also too, you have to worry about the uh, the pressure pressurization of the engine bay because you want the the engine bay to be low pressure so it'll actually pull the air in you know from the through the radiator and uh, cutting holes in the in the hood. Uh, I don't think that works very good for the the low pressure side of things. Uh, honestly, my take on the, the the vents that people put on their Cherokees. Uh, it's for looks. It makes no difference uh, as far as overall heating. It may help on the trail where you're not moving, moving much air because it allows the hot air to rise up through the, the hood. Uh, and, and I would never, ever raise the back of the hood, you know, with shims and stuff because yeah. you're just looking at something uh, to uh, uh, in, a, in a front end crash just come through the windshield and uh, hit you in the head. Yeah, well, my, my buddy Kenny... We, we, yes, there, there's a significant amount of, of metal that you cut out, but you don't cut out any of the sor- support braces. It's just no. the sheet in between. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, we cut those out and there, it's a pretty stout eighth inch pl- aluminum plate that, that through bolts in those sections where you cut them out and that those hood vents, we saw a, I don't know, 20 degree decrease in temperature, uh, roughly once with no additional changes in the system once those hood vents were cut in especially on the trail like you said and and what it actually does is it allows more airflow from the front of the vehicle through the radiator because there's no restrictions now there's less restrictions and the air has some place to go there's a there's a, a saying in air conditioning air don't care it's just going to go wherever it can go mm-hmm. and if you give it a freer flowing path it will move more air through the radiator through the engine compartment and up and out so, yeah, so I had absolutely zero problems on the trail at, you know, 95, 97 degrees out that very uh, dry, uh, arid environment on the, on the trail. And uh, it was, uh, so I'm not seeing any low speed issues. The only thing I ever see is high speed highway driving. So okay, I, so. I got to do something to, to take care of that. And I think the oil cooling is, is going to take that care of that for me. If not, I've got something else up my sleeve. Well, hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? Crack a beer, pull up a chair, and join in on the fun. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us. 
Okay, I'm out here with Wyatt and Cassie, and I'm gonna ask you a question, guys. What's the most important part or accessory on your Jeep? Well, I think with the rain today, definitely the top is the most important accessory. Which what is topless don't. day? We What's don't, up? We don't have it on there today, so. Your rain jacket. Rain jackets. <laughs> and your poncho. Ponchos are important. Um, what about when you're on the trail? Tires, axles, make sure you have the right tools for when you break stuff. Tools, I like that, definitely, for sure. Yeah, There's always the other guys breaking down, it's never us. <laughs> right. Sometimes, sometimes. All right, well, thank you very much, appreciate it. Thank you. Well, they were jamming out at that event. <laughs> oh, we have a special deal for our Jeep Talk Show listeners from Route 16 Off-Road. You can go to our show notes and see the link to take you to Route 16 Promo Tent and use the code JTS and you'll get 15% off any item in the promo tent. Now, there's all kinds of goodies there. I mean, there's like Factor 55, Crazy Beaver, just way too many uh, items to uh, brands to, to be able to mention here. So go over there, check it out. Again, it's JTS as the promo code. Get 15% off of any item in the Route 16 promo tent. Uh, oh, and you know, share us, uh, share us a little information about how it went. Uh, what'd you get? Uh, what'd you save money on? Well, hey, speaking of events, let's talk about some events that are going on around the area. Hey, PA Jeeps is putting on their annual All Breeds Jeep Show at the York, Pennsylvania Fairgrounds this weekend as we are recording this. If you're going to be in the area or within a drive of it, it will be worth going. And uh, hey, if you let us know that you were there, you give us a recap by phone or by email and we like your story enough to use it on here on the show, we're going to send you a Jeep Talk Show sticker as well. Hey, also happening a little bit later in August, August 23rd through the 26th, we have Ocean City Jeep Week happening at the Mays Sports Complex in Pittsville, Maryland. Uh, the uh, annual Great Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion, invasion rather, is happening August 24th and 25th at the LeConte Center in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And we have the annual Sheriff's Jeep Fest and Crawl for the Kids happening August 30th through September 2nd, just off Highway 53 in Jasper, Georgia, now, this is a Jeep event like no other, guys. Started by Sheriff Donnie Craig and the Pickens Sheriff Office, Jeep Fest is an annual event that helps provide a place to live, food, clothing, supplies, love, and anything else a child might need to prosper. The Sheriff's Foundation hosts the three-day event packed full of Jeeps, obstacles, trails, mud, concerts, rides, food, and so much more. You guys definitely want to check it out. We'll have a link to that show as well as all the other shows in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. And it's back. Topless for Tatas is happening August 11th through the 12th at Roush Creek Off-Road Park in Tremont, Pennsylvania. Topless for Tatas is a nonprofit 501c3 that raises awareness for funds for breast cancer research. Started in 2009 with only 65 vehicles. Last year, there were over 700 in attendance. And to date, this event has raised over a quarter million dollars for the fight against breast cancer. Get behind the great cause and be a part of this event. You can't even if you can't attend, there will be ways to show your support. Uh, we'll have the link where you can do that and for more information on this event and all the others at JeepTalkShow.com. Hey, do you know of an off-road event coming up? Shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? We'd love to hear from you. Just go to our contact page at JeepTalkShow.com slash contact. And thanks again, guys, for letting me uh, crash the party here. Uh, anytime Tammy's gone, I'll do my best to uh, fill in. And for those of you that haven't had a chance, check out trailchasers.net for the latest episodes of our show. If you're looking for full commercial production, radio commercial production, you can see my services at thevoiceofjosh.com. Yeah, and again, big thanks to Cody for filling in for Tammy. Uh, Cody literally found out about this 
earlier today. So he was able to jump in here at the very last minute. So thank you very much, Cody. No worries, Cody. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you are wheeling, if you pack it in, pack it out, and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly, and if you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles, head over to treadlightly.org. Warning, contents of the Jeep Talk Show are under pressure. Shake well before using. Batteries are not included with this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, but lots of MSG and preservatives are. The Jeep Talk Show and some of its contents are made in areas that are exposed to peanut soy and other things you probably shouldn't be allergic to as an adult. Podcasting <laughs> since 2010. Hey, not ready for the show to be over? Well, we can understand that. Now you can hear more Jeep Talk Show goodness by installing the Jeep Talk Show app. Just go to Apple or Google Store, search for Jeep Talk Show, and hit that install button. Not only will you have the latest episode, but our entire library of shows. Plus, and only on the Jeep Talk Show app, you'll have access to bonus content. Look for the bonus content icon on the Jeep Talk Show app and hear what goes on after the interview and after the show. I could, I could actually tell you a story about, about a snake and about two two big guys that would chip two chicken to get out of the jeep so they took it down the freeway (laughs) (laughs) is he still holding on (laughs) floor it (laughs) turn the windshield wipers on (laughs) so no what happened i was on a photo shoot in the current issue um with the with the jake with the jk action truck um on it we took that out we took this photo shoot and anyway there's this there's this um road and we see the snake and we're like oh run over it and then we sort of ran over it and we